Adversity. Real stories from real people. Persistence Culture presents the Adversity Podcast. All right, we are back. Another episode of the Adversity Podcast. Real people, real stories. And we got Josh in the building. What's up, man? What's going on, Mambo? How you doing? Doing good. A little busy at work, but it's all good. Can't complain, man. Man, I know you're always busy. You just grind, grind, grind. I don't know if I know anybody that grinds as much as you do. I, I need to grind somewhere they pay good, bro. That's <laughs> what I need to do because I feel like I'm always working. I think you need a vacation. Uh, yeah, I'd probably be working on vacation. That's the problem, man. That's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. But we're back for another episode and, uh, always coming through with the dope guests. Uh, who do we have this week? We have Miss Alicia Franco. She is the co-owner of Coliseum Bootcamp, which is where I get my workout in kind of my sanctuary. Uh, her and her husband have become dear friends to my wife and I, and we're just very fortunate that, that we have her. She's She's an amazing human being. She is a professional bodybuilder now. She has gotten her IFFB card, right? Is that No, what? not yet. Okay. <laughs> but I'm okay with manifesting that. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So kind of uh, kind of introduce yourself, Alicia. And- um, yeah, sure. Well, it's nice. It's awesome to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, like Josh was saying, me and my husband own uh, a gym here called Coliseum Bootcamp, where we specialize in um, transforming people, whether that's trying to put on muscle or trying to um, decrease fat and then obviously cater to anybody that wants to come in and train 24 open 24 hours so it's been quite a ride because um, we opened up during the pandemic but um, every single second of it has been awesome because we've met people like Josh and your wife and so kind of grateful for uh, the pandemic actually nice and uh, where did you grow up at I actually was born and raised in Moore Park. California, so about 20 minutes away from here. Yeah. And then um, grew up and then met my husband um, when I was 23. We moved out to the valley, hated every second of that, (laughs) and then finally migrated to Oxnard, which I always had love in my heart for Oxnard. I came out here a lot um, in my teens, getting in troubles and stuff, but um, always loved Oxnard. So I find it no coincidence that we found our roots here. So, yeah. And uh, when did uh, working out become a thing for you? Oh, gosh. Um, So I actually battled with an eating disorder since I was, I would say, about 14. So I was uh, bulimic and anorexic for about 10 years. Went to treatment after treatment. Nothing helped. And then coincidentally, when I found bodybuilding, um, that's when things started to change for me. And I started to realize the only way to get what I want to look like was to feed my my body and it fed me in so many other ways as well so how long before you realized there's a problem here um that i w- that i had an eating disorder yeah oh i knew i knew right off the the bat like i grew up in the early 2000s where like paris hilton nicole richie lindsay lohan all those girls that's what, what you've seen all the time yeah. yeah yeah just the skinny skinny look and i equated that as beautiful in my head, a lot of girls did, and I kind of, unfortunately, it took a wrong turn, and it became an obsession, and by the time I was 15, 16, I mean, I was uh, purging everything up. I have scar marks on my hands from when I would put my finger down my throat, so it's a good little reminder of where I came from and where I never want to go, and then just just what I've, I've been able to accomplish from that. So, well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people out there. I think that can relate to that, you know, I mean, that's for even guys, 
you know, for guys that we see these guys that are, you know, built like brick shit houses, you mm-hmm. know, walking around that are all shredded and cut up and you don't realize the diet that goes into that, you know, is so strict and so intense. Yeah. And, you know, and you kind of, you think, I know a lot of guys that think they can go in the gym for a couple of weeks and then they're just going to look like that. And it takes years. Yeah. It takes years. Yeah. One of the things I love about being in the, the, the workout community of Coliseum boot camp is there's some really authentic human beings that work out in there. And it's, it's also their sanctuary, right? So there's this really neat community of people and we all love supporting John and Alicia because even John, you know, he competes and he's over 50 years old, right? It's really, really impressive to see what these guys do and the discipline. And I think the best thing that our listeners can get from just the first five seconds of Alicia's story is that when you're in a place that you don't think there's any hope and there's, and there's a place where you don't think you can get out. It, it's, it's a feeling of drowning Yeah, and absolutely. there is a way to get out yeah. and you've just got to find what it is. that's important to you that wakes you up and gets you going. Right. You know, it, it, maybe not everybody it's working out, mm. even though the both of us are going to say that's probably one of the most beneficial things you can do. And it, it, you don't have to be in the gym grunting, lifting big heavy weight and squatting all that crazy stuff. You can be in there just doing lightweight, you right. know, doing cardio, getting, just doing some functional things that get your body. Yeah. Exercising rolling. out those demons. As I like to say, but I'm glad you brought that up. A a lot of men go through the same thing and I don't think we talk about it enough, but bodybuilding actually wasn't exactly what saves me. It was because I was still battling with it when um, I was like 19 and 20. And I remember my mom looking at me and she goes, you know, what's it going to take for you to stop? Is it going to take you being six feet under? Because I mean, I got down to like 79, 80 pounds. I was a tiny little thing. I'm five feet for 11 and a half. That's nothing, man. That was tiny. So I remember looking at her and saying, probably if I get pregnant. And I, I kid you not, within three months, I was pregnant. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, okay. Um, I get chills when I think about it because it literally God was listening. Right. And he goes, I'm going to throw this at you and see if you truly mean that in what you say. And um, I was also a smoker, so I was smoking cigarettes. Everything had to stop right then and there. And if you... If you know that struggle and you come from that background, that is a very hard thing to do because you're not taking anything to alter your state of mind and thinking this way. Right. You already think that way. So it's not like I can just stop taking these drugs and I'm going to be okay. It was, I had to literally work on my mind while carrying a human being and being okay with putting weight on. And needless to say, I gained 75 pounds during pregnancy because now it was the most liberating time of my life because I was able to finally eat and I had to keep it down for my kid. Mm-hmm. So um, Nikolai is my first one and he doesn't exactly know what a godsend he really was. He will one day mm-hmm. and I'll explain it all to him, but he is definitely um, my saving grace. And then bodybuilding kind of became more of a thing for me so uh when when you were going through that were people telling you like your like your mom when are you going to get help yeah and during that point did you ever tell yourself like i could i could stop when i want you know it's funny that you say that because my dad tried bribing me he tried giving me like ten thousand dollars in order to stop yeah i mean it was bulimia is a disgusting it, it's not, I don't want to say disgusting, but you're just not yourself when, mm. uh, whether you're an addict or whether you're going through any sort of recovery. And I would 
puke in like these little bags and leave them in my room and I just wouldn't throw them out. And my dad would find them and be like, you know, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. can't you just fix yourself? Like, and I was 18 at this point. And he's like, look, I'll give you $10,000 if you just stop. And I go, if I can do that, I certainly would love to take your money <laughs> and, you know, buy whatever I want. Right. But I looked him in the eyes and I go, I, I can't, I can't. And then they entered me into um, a treatment facility, which was, they did it out with, with good intentions, mm-hmm. but bad things happened out of it because when you get sometimes when you put a lot of girls with the same issue in a room, it becomes a competition. So, so you, you learn more. You, how exactly. To get away with it's it, yeah. kind of, unfortunately to say this, you know, addicts that go to any sort of group meetings, sometimes you meet the wrong people at that time. And that's what happened to me. So my, my, um, eating disorder actually got worse in treatment. And it wasn't until I got out that I got a little bit better. But during that time, what I did not know is I was still taking those tools that I was learning during that time. And I applied them later on in my life. So it did help in some sort of way. But during that time, it didn't. Yeah, I I have friends who have gone to prison and then they end up going to federal prison and they learn how to become better criminals in federal prison. Yeah, same with uh, uh, friends that have gone DUIs. Yeah. It's like they find new drinking buddies at, at, at the meetings. And it's not until that person wants to change where they apply exactly. what they learn. Exactly. Yeah. And I've um, I met a lot of great girls in that, that treatment facility. A couple of them did pass away. And then a few of them to see them where they are now with families and kids and just much healthier and thriving in life. It's just a beautiful thing. So like you were saying during that time, it's like, man, like I'm not going to get out of this. And you feel like you're drowning. And, and that's what depression feels like too. Cause I struggle with that, um, and anxiety daily. And it's just, it's like the best way I can describe it is you're just trying to swim up for air and it's like something just pulls you right back down right. and you're like even further down than when you started. And I, and I think getting knowledge in whatever it is that, that you want to do. Like, I know, I know there was a time where I wanted to lose weight. And I thought starving myself was, was going to be the thing to do. Yeah. But when I, when I met with the nutritionist, I actually had to eat more. To lose, yeah, right? Yeah, to lose. And I yeah. was like, it, it don't make sense. Yeah. But, <laughs> but once you get the knowledge, it's, it's almost like, wow, I should have been, this is easy. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, I have to eat in order to lose yeah. weight? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that simple. I remember when I was, um, when, when your wife was training with me and I'm like, hey, great news. Like, you don't have to starve yourself. Like, you, right. you can actually eat your food and enjoy it. And she's like, what? I, I don't need to eat and moderate. And I'm like, no, like, as long as you're eating um, healthy amount of food and, and you're not overdoing it, like, it, your body will respond. Yeah. And it's funny because- um, the, the majority of girls I have in my office that come to me for help, they're not overeating or they're not splurging or binging. It's that they're starving themselves and the body just gets used to it. And what is what it does out of um, to defend itself and to protect itself is that each time that you do feed it, it holds on to it and stores it all the fat. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it doesn't go into starvation. Yeah. So body's a machine, just feed it and it, it'll uh, definitely do what it's supposed to do. So how much uh, did did the, the gym life uh, help you with, with the, what you went through? So much, so much. Um, that's why I'm so grateful for um, the gym and bodybuilding. And I actually just spoke about this not too long ago because, you know, a lot of people think of bodybuilding and they think it's all about aesthetics or they think it's just superficial. And it's, it's really not like that. 
that for me and for most people, it's just where you're able to go be alone in your own sanctuary, whether that's in your head or, um, you know, people that you know and that you can kind of just, um, you know, it's, it's your therapy. Right. So it's been my therapy. Yeah, it's 100% accurate. You know, I get in there and, and it's my time for, for me for prayer. Like I, I like to listen to this. You know, a lot of people are listening to crazy music or whatever. And I started listening to worship music uh, uh, about five or six years ago in mm-hmm. Texas because like Lisa talked about, and we'll even get into this a little bit more. I started realizing I was struggling with anxiety and, and I was, and I was needing a place to kind of decompress. Right. And I couldn't do it at work. I wasn't able to do it at home. You know, I was golfing, but that really wasn't helping. But when I go in the gym and I could put in my headphones and, you know, for an hour, just disappear in prayer and the word. And I'd find myself praying over random people in the gym and I still do it now at Coliseum, but it just kind of, you get, you walk out of that space and you go into your day and you're, you're really more prepared mentally, yeah. you know, I mean, and it, and I know guys will go in there and listen to, you know, podcasts about being a better person and ways they can be more organized and things. And when your body and your mind are working together for one goal, and that's to kind of level yourself out and give you some sort of peace. It's amazing how that connection reverberates through the whole soul. So it's, it's, I think it's a very, in, in my opinion, it's a very essential thing to have in your life. And it, and like I said earlier, it doesn't require you to be in there, you know, two, three hours and lifting all this crazy weight and having to be on these really wild diets. You can just eat normal, just mm-hmm. eat healthy, yeah. you know, and just go in there and get some exercise in and, or whether you like to walk around the block or yeah. do whatever in your garage, you know, not everybody's a gym person, but you know, for, for, for those of us who are gym people, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you find a community of people that are like-minded like you that aren't competing. Nobody in there in our gym's competing with each other. No. We all know John and Alicia are way sexier than we are, so we just, <laughs> <laughs> we give up to them, you know. But, um, it, and it, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's pretty imp- incredible. What I want to kind of dive into a little bit are two things. Number one, starting a business, which I can relate to, and then COVID showing up. <laughs> yeah. How that kind of impacted you mentally and physically, number one. And then number two, the anxiety piece of it. Yeah. And I'm sure that, because it, it did for me, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it did for you as well. Oh, yeah. How that crept up into your life and then how you navigated through that to be able to kind of process that. Because I, number one, I think there's a lot of us out there that won't admit that we have anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and you do, yeah. right? I was one of those guys. Yeah. And number two, because we don't want to admit we have it, we're not prepared how to deal with it. Yeah. And that's, that can be a huge cancer to your life. Yeah. Right. If you don't process it and learn how to navigate through it. So I want you to kind of have that space to kind of talk about cool. that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, me and my husband kind of had this idea. We always wanted to open up a gym for years when we, when we first met and, you know, God gave us the the ability to do so with loans and, and everything. And we were on pace, we were on track and we actually started in like this tiny little room where I was running boot camp classes and I was fitting about 20 to 30 people in that. And it was just, when you think about the hard times when you're in it, you hate it. But when I look back on those times, those are probably one of the best memories I've ever made. 
And so we started there and then we started the build out phase of our, our gym. And that's when COVID hit, like right when the build out was done. And, you know, me and my husband, because we didn't know at that time, everyone was so brand new to the pandemic and following the rules and what you can and can't do. And we abided by the rules for, you know, I would say the first, gosh, like five, six months. And then just more and more started getting stacked on. And, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, how are we going to how are we going to profit? How are we, how are we going to stay afloat? You know, we don't, we put all this money into this gym and we don't want to shut it down. So, you know, we kind of became sort of like that speakeasy gym, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. where we put a code in the back. So you guys were able to come through, which you come through every day still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John's like, Josh comes through the back all the time. Uh, members, members want a back code too. And I'm like, Josh is different. Just, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so we know our OG members because they come through the back. Right. Yeah. Those are the members that have been with us from the very beginning. And I'm so grateful for you guys. But anyways, so we became this kind of like, underground gym I guess you can say and we had a lot of um you know police come with the police come in military we became that sort of safe haven people just wanted to resume their regular day lives and training was a part of that and it really opened my eyes as to like wow like people really really need this more than a shot or more than um you know, going to the doctors, like we need that for our soul, like our mental health. I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the training stuff sold out like everywhere. Yeah. And that was the other thing. They hiked prices up, man. Like when people were like, Hey, is this outrageous for these pair of dumbbells? I'm like, if you're buying a pair of dumbbells that are 10 pounds and they're saying it's 75 to hundred dollars, like, yeah, no. (laughs) So, but yeah, so we got through that. We stayed hope. We stayed open. We fought, you know, all the letters that were put on our doors. Like I'm sure you got at your business as well. And we went to court and they basically put a restraining order on our business and saying that if we go against that, then they'll board us, they'll board up the doors and make it so we can't come in. We fought it. We continued our business. Um, we put up paper, construction paper. So we can just say, oh, we're still building out, mm-hmm. right? So people were still coming in. We figured out no one could prove anything unless they were actually inside the gym. No one was getting inside that gym unless we personally knew you. So we stayed open and then everything lifted and things got a little bit better. But like you were saying, Josh, um, the anxiety was just so crippling and you can go every day by saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then out of nowhere, you could be just sitting on your bed Mm -hmm. and it's like, you just can't breathe out of nowhere. And then your heart starts racing and you go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And I haven't dealt with panic attacks since I was probably, you know, 16 or 17. And when this started happening, I go, man, I do not have the tools anymore. And it became so crippling that even going to the gym was hard for me to, to do. And, you know, my husband's looking at me because when someone's having a panic attack, and people don't know what it is. They're looking at you like you're crazy, like you're fine, you're breathing. Like just, just, I hate that term, just breathe. And it's like, well, I can't. <laughs> so I would try that, but I can't. So finding ways in order to to deal with the anxiety was something I had to do again. And there came a time where training was not taking care of it. Yeah. Training was not taking care of it. And no matter how many friends I went to, it was not helping. And the one thing that did, and I... 
I swear to God, um, there was a moment where you and I had a conversation in my office and you spoke about your anxiety and you spoke about how um, you would listen to worship music during your training and workouts. And I grew up Christian and there's times where you are a great Christian, but then there's times where you're human and you fall off and you, you resort to yourself and you rely on yourself more. And when I had that conversation with you, I kid you not, I had to literally fall on my knees and get back into that and just ask for, um, number one, I, I laid it all at God's feet and I said here, like, it's not mine. I don't want it. Like I need help. Mm-hmm. And I went back to the word. We went back to church and I started to listen to worship music during training as well. And praying to, um, it, it just always came back to God. God always had my back no matter what. It's just, I, I had to remember that. And, um, what's funny is cause I have my playlist going when I am training and when a worship song would come on, I would skip through it. So now when a worship song comes on, I go, I feel like this is God's way of talking to me again. So I'm just going to volume up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's kind of like hitting me on the head. Like, Hey, yeah. Let her, yeah. let her play. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how, how sometimes like the reminders are there. And like you said, before you used to skip it yeah, and now you use it as That's an cool. opportunity yeah. to pump you up. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And you do get pumped up from it. So yeah. I don't care what anybody sounds like. I think a lot of a lot of people and we've discussed this in a lot of the episodes uh, that during the pandemic what a lot of businesses went through it, especially uh I, I think you you went through it you were a new business oh, yeah. too yeah. Yeah. So I know I was always moving when uh before the pandemic so slowing down it's kind of like shit like what do I do now? Yeah. Cuz I was so used to a lot of us were so used to like go 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 go, go. working what's next? But uh, uh, looking back to like certain situations and having conversations with people who went through either depression, anxiety. Yeah. I questioned myself, like, was was I going through that? Did I have that? But, you know, I mean, I I could understand when 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 you said how people would tell you just breathe, breathe. And you, you hated that. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I like don't if anyone's ever struggling with anxiety, they tell you to breathe like no offense. Don't don't say that because it's just that's the first thing we try and it doesn't work. <laughs> it's kind of like trying to breathe when you're six feet underwater. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like if you're in the you know, you're in the middle of the ocean, a big wave comes and grabs you right. and throws you down and you get caught up in the swell underneath. Yeah. You don't want to try to take a big breath right yeah. then. Right. Because all you're going to do is just take in water. Yeah. You got to get to the surface. To, to actually get air. It's a good analogy right there. It's yeah. very true. And and I think for those of us that do struggle with anxiety and are, are, are open about it, finding the surface is actually key, right? Because you get to the surface of the issue. You finally, you get to a place where you know the reason you're struggling with certain things is because there are these domino effects that yeah. are going on in your life. Oh, yeah. And you can try to tell yourself, and I'm a very positive thinking person. I'm always like, and my wife used to hate it because I'd always just be like, it's, everything's going to be all right. Well, it's not just because I was kumbaya, everything's, it's just I had faith, right? Mm-hmm. And I had faith that if I'm submitting myself to the will of the, of, of the Father, then whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing will will occur, right? And if, and if I'm supposed to, that's kind of where this podcast came from. I learned that adversity was going to hit. It's not like you can avoid it. Yeah. And for so long as a believer, I had this false impression that because I had faith in Christ, nothing was going to go wrong. Yeah. And I had such a good life in Texas where it was just a good run. And you come here and you're like, 
you hit this wall of mm-hmm. the pandemic right as you open a business. And it's like, kind of like you said, I hadn't dealt with this kind of stress or anxiety really in 12, 15 years yeah. because I had had such a good run at my previous job and my previous career, my previous living experience and environment and all that. So all this flaring back up for me was kind of this space of like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. Whoa, and how do I deal with this? Going to their gym one morning, I end up in a parking lot on the side of the street calling my pastor that I that fired me in Orlando. Wow. Just bawling. I mean, weeping uncontrollably in my car. Because I just, there was just, it felt like everything underneath me was just falling out. Yeah. And there's nothing I could seem to do to get the floor back underneath me in my mind. And the same thing, I'd go to the gym, I wouldn't be as far, it just, there was no motivation. Yeah. I didn't care. You know, I didn't, I got to a place where I didn't care if I lost everything. Yeah. And, and that was a very unhealthy Way of thinking. place to be yeah. mentally. Yeah. And I did the same thing she did. You know, I just, that's how I was able to give her the advice I gave her was I just, I called a guy that would pray with me, yeah. even though he fired me. Right. Right. I knew that was someone that was a lifelong prayer warrior. That was a friend in my life that genuinely loved me and would take the time out of his day to authentically pray over me, not a generic prayer, but really get into my soul and pray. Yeah. And I feel like I love that you said that because for me, that's been what's helped me deal with anxiety is, is praying and, and having that place of, you know what? It may all hit the fan, but you're a big umbrella God yeah. and you're going to cover me and it may not be pleasant yeah. and it yeah. may not be cool, yeah. but I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get to the other yeah. side because of you, not because of me. Cause it was up to me. I'd probably just 100%. fall apart. And I'm glad that you spoke on that because there was a moment, I was the same way as you where I'm like, you know, everything, everything's going to be fine. It turns out great. Like it always, it always ends fine. And there was a moment where, you know, when, um, our, our landlord basically said, cause we were deferring some of our, our rent cause we weren't able to afford it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who was able to make all their rent payments in, during that time. But so basically she slammed us with like, <laughs> I think it was 50 grand and we had three days to pay it. And this was near Christmas. Wow. This was near Christmas. And at that point, I remember looking at John and I, I literally fell to my knees and I go, we're done. There's no way. I mean, we were exhausting all the resources we had and the people that we knew and said, Hey, like, you know, we'll pay you back. We'll make payments like interest, like whatever you need. And, um, just no. And, two weeks before we got that letter, um, a guy named Mark walked into our, our business wanting help. And he became one of John's clients because John helps the men and I, I stick to the women. Mm-hmm. And uh, we created a great relationship with Mark and he's, he, he's a, him and Frida are just amazing. His girlfriend, his wife pretty much are, are amazing people and they own their own business as well. Um, they own Skunk Masters. And so we connected and, you know, two weeks pass and we got that letter and John goes, you know what? He's like, I'm going to ask Mark to see if he would help us. And I go, there's no way, you know, not, not saying that he, he, he's not a good guy or that he wouldn't help us. It's just when you're asking somebody for 50 grand and you barely know that person, <laughs> yeah. like, come on. <laughs> so, you know, he, he did a weigh in with John and when we do that with our clients where we do biweekly weigh ins where they come in and, and we have them on this machine and it tells us how much fat they lost, how much muscle they're, they're growing or retaining. So he had a weigh in. And at this point, I'm thinking we lost everything. There's going to be no Christmas for the kids. We're done. 
And I remember um, being in bed and John calls me and he goes, Alicia. <laughs> and I go, yeah. And he's like, we're going to be okay. <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? He goes, Mark's going to give us the money. And he's like, we, we don't have to pay anything back. He said, wow. um, we're not going to lose the gym. We were so close to losing the gym. And uh, yeah, him and Frida gave us that money. And then we realized like, hey, like we want to be partners with these people because they're great people. And he became a partner. They became partners. So Man, you just gave me the chills right it, now. It is. I mean, that. I mean, I was thinking in my head as a parent, like, you know, I can't give presents for my kids. Like, and I know that's so minuscule, but it's just, mm -hmm. you know, as a parent, you want to provide those. Well, things. that's the first thing you think about when the you kids, get, yeah, yeah they're going to be, think what are they going to miss out on? Yeah. So, um, but I had one of those moments where I was like, it's done. Like there's, there's nothing else we can do from here. And it's, my dad always told me this story of, um, a priest on top of a roof and there's a flood. And like you were saying, everything's supposed to pan out great. Right. As long as I belong, I, I believe in the Lord and he's expecting God to take him up to heaven. And he's expecting some sort of like safety, um, safety net or something miraculous magic to happen. And, each person on a boat comes by and asks the priest, hey, like, let me take you to safety. And the priest goes, no, my, my Lord will, will provide for me. Second guy comes on a boat, hey, like, let me take you to safety. No, 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 that's okay. My Lord will, will take care of me. Third guy comes, same thing. Well, he dies. And he gets up to heaven. And he goes, I don't understand. Like, I did everything you wanted me to do. I abided by all your rules. Like, why, why did I die? And he looks at him. He goes, well, I sent you three people. Right. And so it's like one of those moments where it's like, you know, you don't, you won't know what you have unless you ask. So, you know, I'm just, just, it goes back to being grateful and, and looking for those people in your life that they're monumental and, and just, it's just there, everything happens for, for a reason. So. Absolutely. And yeah. it's very important that, you know, we talk a lot about community, mm -hmm. you know, and the importance of community and, you know, there's a lot of people that are missing out on the opportunity to find that breath, to find the way to the surface because they're, they kick away their community because a lot of people don't feel like they need help. Right. And that's a pride thing. Yeah. And so when we have so much pride that we don't realize that we need help and we need each other, yeah. then we miss out, you know? And so when things like the anxiety or the depression or all the other things that can creep up and cripple you, yeah. literally cripple you, start showing up, you don't know how to navigate through it because you don't have a, a source to plug into. Mm. And I think it's a very important role or, or, uh, for us as we're trying to spread this message of adversity and how not to let it cripple you and bring you down that you have to find people that are like-minded like you. And one of the things to think about, if you're looking at your community of people and you don't like the people you're hanging out with, then maybe you should take a look in the mirror because you may look like them as well. Yep. Yeah, 100% on that. Yeah, and, and I've always noticed that, like, your peer group is a great reflection of who you are. Mm -hmm. And if you're hanging out with a bunch of people that aren't great reflections, then it's, it's time to look at yourself, figure yeah. out what changes you need to make, and then maybe separate from that peer group and kind of integrate yourself into – some other some other peer groups yeah. right. that are that are going to be supportive and that, that can are, be scary too. Oh yeah, that can be scary when you're putting scary. yourself out there and and kicking out people in your life that are meant to be there, and that's hard. That's mm -hmm. really hard. So I know that I know a lot about that as well. Yeah. Sometimes it's family, and you don't want to separate yourself because yeah. it's family. 
Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what I tell some friends is, is, you know, no matter what, they're going to be your family, bro. Like, you know, you, if you're trying to grow, then you got to surround yourself with the right people because sometimes, and, and I'm looking back to when I was growing up, I'm still good friends with a lot of, a lot of the, the, the guys I grew up with, but I knew there was a point where I was like you guys, like, you know, like, what, what do I have to do God yeah. to, to, to get changed, to change my life. And pretty much it's like separating from, from your group of friends if you want to grow. And it would, that, that was hard because that's all I knew. Yeah. And then once you surround yourself with the right people and you're learning new things, yeah. I always, I always tell myself like, like if I'm the smartest one in the crew, like I got to get new friends just because <laughs> I feel like I always have to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's good. That's so, funny, yeah. so I always, I always <laughs> look at situations where someone's looking at me as the successful one in the group and I'm still chasing success. Yeah. It's, it's more like, man, they think that I'm doing it. Like when I'm really like struggling yeah. or, or going through something. Yeah. So that's why I, I love audio books. I read my Bible every morning. Yeah. And, uh, a lot when I share that with people, like the first reaction I get, especially from my close friends, are like, "You don't read the Bible," <laughs> but I do. Yeah, and and wife, when wife is there, she's like, "Yeah, he prays every morning, and he." She's your verification. Yeah, so yeah. she kind of puts a stamp on it because <laughs> yeah. they don't believe me. Yeah, but that's me doing my part in what I'm chasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think there comes a time as you get older, because you know, early in your early twenties. I mean, I'm just like, it's funny that you brought up audiobooks and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, man, I'm never gonna be one of those people that listen to self help and <laughs> blah, blah, blah in the car. That's so boring. And now it's like, that's all I listen to. <laughs> that's what I do too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's you, you literally turn into something that, like, I remember my parents saying, I'm never gonna be like you guys. And man, damn, like, I'm more conservative than they ever were. <laughs> and, you know, it's just crazy. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not a bad thing. When you get older, I think there's a maturation process that you almost appreciate, you know, that you th I think about like back in the day, same thing. I'd listen to sports talk radio and I'd be bored within 20 seconds, right? Yeah. I'd turn on and some music Nirvana or whatever it was back then. Oh, that's a good band though, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listened to some good stuff back in the day. Yeah, 90s <laughs> was where it was at, honestly. Yeah, the, uh, it was good tunes back yeah. then. Yeah. And now that I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s and I've got a kid and, I hardly ever listen to the radio. Yeah. And and it's funny, I'll turn it on because I like country music. And I think every country music song in our, out right now is about a truck. You know? <laughs> every one. And so it's like, you kind of hear the same song over and over and over again. Yeah. It's like, well, let's just go back to the, to the self-help <laughs> yeah. or the sports talk radio or, yeah. or my Bible app, one right. of the two, right? Like, let's just do something more positive. Yeah. Yeah. I was also someone that I, I would always, <laughs> I'm really, I'm one of those people that I like to text instead of calling and I made it, I made it a, a thing this year. Like, okay, don't press ignore pick up the damn phone because like someone might really need you or someone might really need your advice or you might listen to something that you needed to hear. So it's just funny that you say that because I stopped listening to music that honestly doesn't really serve you in any sort of way sometimes and started to actually talk more and listen and, and hear friends and what they have to say and or my parents that I haven't spoken to in like two weeks and they're like, where are you? Are you dead? And you're like, no, I'm fine. Like I've just been busy. Sorry. So it's just times where I can catch up on on things that I've been avoiding, I guess you can say. You know, another thing I want to kind of get into before we, we shut down is you took a huge leap of faith 
going into the competition realm of things, right? A lot of people don't realize that. Just because you're a trainer at a gym doesn't mean you're on a stage competing. Right. In fact, probably 80, 85% of the trainers on this planet have never competed. Yeah. And you decided to take that next step kind of deal. And then after the first show, I know there was some even thoughts of maybe I am or I'm not going to do this again. And Mm -hmm. you decided to kind of keep going. Yeah. So what was it, number one, that made you want to go from the training piece to the competitive piece? Yeah. And then after that first show, navigate us through kind of the thought process that you went through to decide this is something I want to keep doing moving forward. Yeah. So competition was something I always wanted to do when I was younger, when I first got into training and and exercising. And it was kind of more of a superficial reason why I wanted to do it when I was younger. And I'm so glad I did not do it when I was younger because it's easy just to throw on a bikini and learn how to pose and, you know, do your thing. I'm so glad I waited until I was in my 30s to step on stage because, number one, I was able to build the muscle necessary in order to to look like I belong on there. And, number two, I had such a better state of mind and why I'm doing it, I guess you can say. Not that I think I'm anything great or I think I'm anything substantial, but I knew there were certain people that looked up to me and admired what I was doing. And it's kind of like, that's kind of kept feeling my passion to do it. Cause man, like I would have stopped a long time ago. It's not fun dieting down and coming from someone who had an eating disorder. Like it's not fun having your food taken away. Like I'm, I'm a huge foodie now. Like I love food. Food is everything <laughs> for me. Like I can out eat my husband any day. So he's a big boy. He is a big boy. You'll meet him next week. Yeah. Yeah. But, and he'll say I'm lying, but just, I can, I can down a 32 pound, um, per, like it's not 32, 32 ounce, whatever. Man, that's a I'll big be looking at him and I'll be like, are you done with that? Like I'll take it. But like anyway, small baby. <laughs> so, you know, after my first show was with a different federation and I did not bring the package I wanted to bring. We spent way too much money in that. It was definitely a lesson learned. And, you know, after that, I took about a year and then switched federations into the MPC. And it was way more rigorous training, stricter, strict on the food. And that's where my heart lies. And they came out with a different division called the wellness division. And that was more so of the legs and the booty and, and the quads. And, you know, a lot of women, they try to fit themselves into a category that they don't necessarily belong in. So when wellness came out for us girls that, you know, grow bigger on our trunks, it was perfect. So when up there, I, it's kind of funny when I talk about this, I, I swept my first show at the MPC. I, I took every single division. Um, I took the overall and that night, it should have been the greatest moment of my life. Right. And that night is when I had one of my biggest panic attacks oh, wow. and I don't know why. And I looked at John and I go, I can't breathe right now. And he's like, you're fine. Just breathe. And I'm like, no, something's wrong. And that's where I had to go back and um, get into the word. And I think, this sport can be so, so selfish and superficial that I think God wanted to remind me that, hey, like you're here because of me. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. And I was able to calm myself down and breathe through it. Um, but again, it was a good reminder. And then, you know, the second show was kind of more so to see just where I would end up. So now just the plan is just to take more time and grow and build. And I'm enjoying it because that means more food. And that means... Um, 
more more programming that I get to choose. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So do you, when do you think you'll do a, a, your next show? I think we're probably looking at September. Yeah. We were looking at June, but I go this too soon to put on that amount of muscle that um, was needed. It's just it's just too soon, and and I wanted more time. I want to enjoy those times going out with friends and you know yeah. having a couple of drinks here and there and acting normal. And because when you're when you're dieting down for a show, like you're. A, you're a ghost to everyone you don't exist nothing matters all you're thinking about is your next meal you are not pleasant to be around you're just you're not you're not fun <laughs> so you kind of hide in the shadows until you come out from him and and you're yourself again and so. kind of tell everybody because i don't think people really realize how long dieting down takes it takes i mean it depends like so i did like a 12-week prep 12 there's weeks. there's 16 weeks and there's 12 weeks and I mean, if you screw up on just one time, like I think I remember I had, what did I do? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, In and out. Because <laughs> we're human. <laughs> we we do cheat. We do cheat. Any competitor that says, oh, I never cheat on my diet, I'm sorry, but you're lying. Whether or not you had a couple almonds here and there, or you had a protein bar, or you had a bite of ice cream. So I remember like, I think I had a couple bites of ice cream and and it shows when you're really lean and you're, you're dialed in any little thing matters. And I remember my coach looking at me from the pictures and he goes, what did you have? And I go, I'm sorry. Just from pictures, just from pictures. Wow. And he goes, yeah, you know, you're holding a little bit more fat underneath your glute. What, what happened from last week? And I'm like, mother. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> and I told him and he goes, okay, don't do that. <laughs> and I go, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it takes it. it every little thing matters. Baskin Robbins showed up. He kicked my ass. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a uh, discipline right there for 12 yeah, weeks. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. that's difficult. I mean, anybody that's, and nobody can really relate to that. Like taking and monitoring every single piece of food and liquid yeah. It's not just food, it's food and liquid yeah. that goes in your body for 12 to 16 weeks is, I mean, you're talking three, four months yeah. Yeah. of your life. You're just, it, you can't, you can't, you can't really screw up. Yeah. Like she said, I mean, you have a scoop of ice cream and it's same for the guys, you yeah. know, my buddies that would compete, you know, Chance's dad, Cooney, he's, he was a professional bodybuilder when we were oh, kids, chance. right? Yeah. yeah chance is yeah. great. And I remember when his dad would go on these same thing, right? He'd be, he had started, he'd stopped competing whenever I was working for him, but he still had that mindset, right? Yeah, of course. Like he want, he, even though he wasn't going to be on a stage, he wanted to prove to himself that he could still do it. So he'd yeah. go on these crazy diets and I'm like all the food prep that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, you're cooking all your meals on Sunday yeah. for the next week and they're all stacked and they're, they're dated and they're, yeah itemize meal one two three yeah. you know it's it's nuts. annoying it's a lot <laughs> it's and annoying i will never do it yeah i mean if you have a spouse that's supportive and understands it it helps a lot um i do not recommend dieting though together that is just hell in a handbasket well thank god for me uh we got our our persistence culture male eats preps there you they, go they, oh, they hooked me up go. i'll pay for it there so, you go that's great. so i don't have to uh prep it on sundays so then. easy yeah yeah yeah, but uh, for a, a young lady or gentleman that's listening, that's going through the same thing that you went when we you were young, yeah. what would you tell that person? Oh, gosh. I would say, kind of like going back to what you were saying, surround yourself with the right people. And if you're not a believer, you know, I, I'm not here to bash anyone over 
and try to like smack God in your face because it took me a while. I was raised in a Christian household and I was someone in that rebelled and did a lot of bad things and I it took me to come back to him. So I'd say open up your Bible and, and read Psalms if you're ever having a really hard time and just find people that you really, really trust and that will give you good sound advice. Not things that you want to hear, but things that you need to hear. Cool. Find things that that alleviate you from any sort of, of stressors, whether that be music or training or hiking or, or drawing or whatever it is. But yeah, just just life life can get tough. Life can get really, really tough. And I've learned finding people that understand you and will listen to you has really helped a lot. And it's it's all right to ask for help too. I, yeah. I know when I was growing up, I thought I could, it's me, I could fix myself. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes even just having a combo with someone, it's amazing how much you learn from that conversation when someone else is telling you like, yo, you need to do this. Yeah. And I know Josh has, uh, has, uh, shared his, his, uh, different crews that he has, uh, the wolf pack and the, who's the other one? There, there's, there's a couple oh, of all my boys from Tyler and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you share those stories, I can relate to certain people I call to for, for just to have the combo. Yeah. I was never a believer in like, you know, therapy or counseling or none yeah. of that. And during the pandemic, my, my sister-in-law does it. And she's all like, have you ever d done a breathing techniques? And I was like, oh God, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, that helped me a lot. Yeah. And th that's something that I never like really wanted to try, never believed in. But yeah. uh, I won't tell her, but it, <laughs> it, it did, <laughs> well, it did help me a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. the vulnerability piece of it, you know, as we kind of close this one out, you, you got to have, like you were talking about, you got to have people that you can be vulnerable with. Yeah. 100%. You know, because if you've got someone in your life that you can just be vulnerable with, right. An open book and they, and they, and they have sound wisdom yeah. behind them. That is worth more than any asset you could ever purchase with money. 100%, yeah. Because it'll just give you such sound direction and it'll give you such a calming peace yeah. after opening up to them and them looking at you and kind of giving you the tools of how to navigate through that. Yeah. And I think that's just, I think that's huge. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, another great episode. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your story. Thank now, you. uh, can people uh, find you guys on uh, Instagram or you guys have a, a website? Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you again so much for having me. This was so much fun. I loved it. Good therapy session, right? Yeah, I told you it was going to be a good. therapy <laughs> session. Yeah, yeah I don't have to Easy. go to therapy this week at all. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, mine's kind of long. It's at Coliseum underscore Alicia Marie and Coliseum is spelled C-O-L-O-S-S-E-U-M underscore Alicia Marie. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. and, uh, We'll be back next week with another episode, Adversity Podcast, Real People, Real Stories. Thank you guys so much. Peace. Bye.